Welcome to Uptown Chats, a podcast where we share stories about environmental justice by and for everyday people. I'm your co-host, Lonnie. And I'm your other co-host, Jaren. And today we're talking about an important and very timely topic, voting. But before we get into that, Jaren, can you tell the folks what our mission statement is here in WEACT? I sure can. WEACT's mission is to build healthy communities by ensuring that people of color and or low-income residents participate meaningfully in the creation of sound and fair environmental health and protection policies and practices. Thanks, Jaren. So our guest today is Pamela Stewart-Martinez, who's WEACT's very own Director of Civic Engagement Organizing. Uh, She'll be talking to us about why voting matters, especially for folks living in environmental justice communities, including us. Yeah, that's right. Speaking of voting, early voting started here in New York City on October 28th and runs through November 5th. Election Day itself is on Tuesday, November 7th. And there's no voting on November 6th. So we got to give those poll workers a break. You know, they need a break just like everyone else. So if you're listening to this and you haven't already voted, then make sure to get out there and do it. There was actually some exciting news recently for those who love early voting. I love early voting. I love to go early. Go early voting. The governor signed a few new bills into law, including one bill that creates a golden day on the first day of early voting period when New Yorkers can register to vote and cast their ballots at their polling place all on the same day. I think that's really that's 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 amazing to be able to do that same time. Yeah, it's super cool. And I, I, I believe it's something that we'll actually hear from Pamela during her interview. So we want to make sure that that folks know that that exists yeah and it's a little too late for us to do take advantage of that this year around but it's good to know for next year but i guess the next question is well what's actually on the ballot well for those of us who have already gotten out and voted or for those of us that are still to vote uh you'll be voting on your city council representatives judges and two ballot measures so so those i don't know ballot measures are uh it's a law issue or question that appears on a ballot for voters of the jurisdiction to decide Uh, so instead of something going through city council voters actually get to directly decide if that issue will pass yeah so there's two proposals um on this ballot the first one is an amendment for the removal of a small city school district from special constitutional debt limitation. And the second one is an amendment about extending sewage project debt exclusion from debt limits citywide. Yes. So if none of that makes any sense right now, that's fine because Pamela will share more information briefly about both of those ballot measures uh, in our interview with her. And you can also learn more about those ballot measures, and other things related to voting at weact.org slash vote. Lots of good information there, including if you need to learn about your voting location and other things, make sure to check it out. Yeah, the most important part about that issue is you've got to make sure you flip the ballot over. Yes, yes, flip the ballot over. And, and speaking of voting, we just launched a new poll where you can tell us what you want to hear on Uptown Chats for next year. So if you have an idea of what you want to hear us talk about, make sure to go on and look for that poll. You can find it. uh, For those of our listeners that are on Spotify, you can access that poll directly in the app. Just go to the poll section, click on the episode description uh, or the episode page, and it'll take you there. Otherwise, if you listen to podcasts anywhere else, you can find the poll on our website at weact.org slash podcast. Y'all know that link. Yeah, so to make sure to check it out. All right. With that, let's jump into our interview with Pamela.
Thank you so much for joining us, Pamela. Before we get too far in, I just want to ask you to introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about how you got to WEACT and, and maybe a little bit also about your path into the political world, if you will. Okay, so hi, my name is Pam Stewart Martinez. I'm the Director of Civic Engagement and Organizing for WEACT for Environmental Justice. So how did I get started? I got started because I was angry. I was angry about what was not happening in my community um, for, it started out with children. In my district, we have some of the highest numbers of underfunded schools. And um, my children were having issues and it was because, you know, services and resources weren't available in the school like they should be. So I was able to navigate it because, I I don't know, I kind of feel like privilege is layered. So it's not like poor folks, you know, middle-income folks, and then rich folks. There's layers of education and privilege. There's layers of income. And, And so I was able to navigate it in a way that I was able to get services and resources for my children, but it bothered me that one, I had to fight so hard, and two, there was no one fighting for other folks that were in my community who didn't have some of the educational skills and the negotiation, negotiating skills that I had. So it started from me being angry and wanting to see change. How I winded up at WEAC, so I had a, a friend of mine from high school Charles Calloway, who's the director of workforce development, he had, according to him, been watching me (laughs) politically, and he thought that I would be a good fit here at WEAC for Mm -hmm. environmental justice. Wow. There's, I think, almost every single one of the episodes that we've put together so far where Charles gets mentioned at least once, and it's always different. (laughs) I think so, too. There's always some different connection. I I feel like that's a shout out to to Charles and, you know, his, his... yeah, his skills, his skills, his skills, his presence in the community, yeah, and what he does here at WEACT as well. Yeah, but he, that's, he is the ultimate organizer. Yeah, uh, but that's that's, a, that's really great to, to kind of hear the emotional side of what brought you into this work. And was there a specific moment moment for you, kind of in that process, where it became clear, kind of how you wanted to be involved with the work, or is that something that you're still kind of figuring out is like what what is my role in all of this because you said you were angry and you wanted things to change like at what point did you figure out this is kind of how i want to to fit into that um well actually it was a phone call someone called me up they wanted me they they saw my linkedin um they saw some of the work that i was doing in the community they suggested that i run for office i found it intriguing because i wasn't happy with some of the elected officials commitment to my community at the time. And I said, okay, yeah, let's see what that looks like. And then the person told me the election was going to be in about four to five months. And I was like, whoa, whoa, (laughs) that's too soon. And he's like, are you going to be about it? Or are you just going to talk about it? Mm. And at that moment, I decided to be about it. Mm -hmm. And so I ran for office four months in. I think I got about somewhere between 25, 30% of the vote mm-hmm. in the district for that um, elected seat. And I learned a lot. 
I learned from the bottom up how to run a campaign. Mm -hmm. And then the following year, I worked as a campaign manager for one particular candidate, but also assisted many different people running from city council member to mayor. Wow. And, and that's pretty much how I got pulled into politics. I, I loved what I was doing and I loved helping people. And so that was it. I love hearing that. And um, I love hearing that emotional side of wanting to get involved because a lot of people, I think, connect with that aspect of being angry about something or upset with something or something's not right in their community. And that drives them to want to do something. Now, some people don't go as far as you've gone and like actually run for office and whatnot. But one thing that people do, they start with is they wait for that next election cycle or when it's time to vote. That's when they're going to say, I'm going to try to find my have my voice heard, finding candidates who are aligning with my ideology and what I want to fix. And so that basically kind of puts us to we are coming up on an election at the city level very soon. So can you talk a little bit about what this election is about? Is there anything special in the ballot? And what are we voting for in this upcoming election? Okay, so... This is a city council election. It's only a city council election because of the redistricting process. When the lines are redrawn every 10 years, what happens is even though a city council member is supposed to serve four years during this redistricting time period, they only serve two years and then they have to run for their seat again for the remaining two years. So that's where we are right now. There are two ballot measures, though, that are on the ballot. And honestly, those ballot measures are a little complicated. So the first ballot measure is an amendment for the removal of small city school districts from special constitutional debt limitations. So I read through the entire ballot measure, (laughs) and honestly, I was so confused. It sounds confusing. Just the name itself is confusing. I feel like this is where people get tripped up as ballot measures every single time. Exactly. So I did a little research on it, and I found this explanation, and this explanation made the most sense to me. The explanation is the state constitution limits how much debt a small city, and when they classify a small city, It's less than 125,000 people. So it's a small city school district can incur. So state law says that their debt cannot be greater than 5% of the value of taxable real property. Mm. And so that being the case, debt cannot be greater than 10%. If this constitutional amendment passes, then small city school districts would be eligible to have the same debt limit as other school districts as determined by state law. So that's what it means there. Okay. New York City, not a small city school system. So this would be us helping out the other small city schools. Mm -hmm. I don't know how the small city schools feel about this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they want it. That would be something that we should probably do more research mm-hmm. and see how they feel about it. The second proposal ballot measure is an amendment extending sewage project debt exclusion from the debt limit citywide. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah, very complicated. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. They, they really went with similar names on these things. Is that that's like gonna yeah. even make it worse? It's like, oh, uh, which one is which? Which one's the school one? Which one's for sewers? Well, yeah. the school one is one. <laughs> the sewers is two. Yeah. Okay, and so the best explanation I can find for that one was the state constitution limits the debt counties, um, cities, towns, and villages, the amount that they can incur. Mm -hmm. The debt limit has an exception to not include debt for sewage treatment and disposal of construction projects. The current sewage debt exception expires January 1st, 2024. So this amendment would extend the sewage debt exception for 10 more years until January 1st, 2034. Mm -hmm. So they're extending it. And those are our ballot measures. Two things. One, where can folks look to maybe, you know, between now and Election Day? Look for, where, can, where, can, where should they look for maybe information or, or more updates on, on this kind of stuff? So there's the voter guide, mm-hmm. but then also we act for environmental justice is going to come out with a position on this. Mm-hmm. So check out our website. Yeah. And I mean, that's really important for us to do that because we can't tell people how to <laughs> necessarily vote, but we can tell our position once we've analyzed some of these things. Because even as someone who's a policy analyst, some of these things are very complicated in mm-hmm. terms of especially wording on ballot measures. Mm-hmm. They have been used as tools in other places and lots of places uh, where the wording has been tricky on purpose, right? Mm-hmm. To make sure that people vote in a way that they want them to vote. So it's really important to really dissect those. And uh, those are usually on the other side of the ballot, right? The ballot measures. Absolutely. So it's always important to flip your ballot over to mm-hmm. make sure that you're actually voting on these things as well. Always yeah. important. Absolutely. The second thing I was going to ask you, kind of circling back to what you were saying before about it kind of being maybe a little bit less exciting of a, a of an, an election, at least uptown. I don't know about the rest of the city. Uh, oh, the Bronx has something spicy going on. Okay. <laughs> They've got some drama going on. Okay, there's there is drama elsewhere. So is that typical? Is this like, is this a, a weird year in terms of things kind of being off, or is this like kind of how things politics go, like the, the landscape? is looking uptown normally, do you know? No, this is weird. This is weird. I mean, whenever you have, like, an election cycle that breaks up a normal term limit, it's a little weird because you never know what's going to happen. You you don't know if people are expecting it to be a four-year term so they didn't plan to run Mm -hmm. or if folks are aware of it and feel like, okay, this is my opportunity Mm -hmm. to really get in there and and take that. Like in the Bronx, I think it's the 13th city council district Mm -hmm. where there were like a lot of Republicans Mm -hmm. during the primary election running for this one seat Mm -hmm. because rumor had it that that particular district did pretty well for Trump <laughs> in oh, the Bronx. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So then all of these Republicans decided, hey, I'm going to throw my hat in mm-hmm. during this time period and see if I can mm-hmm. if I can win. And the Democratic candidate, she had a pretty interesting primary election, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, other areas. Yeah, it is a little spicy. OK. Yeah, I feel like also when it comes to New York City, and this may be changing over time, but it feels like with New York City, too, it seems like the importance is always placed in the primary voting process because it seems like that's when there's more candidates to think about 
particularly in a lot of spaces where majority of New York City, at least for New York City Council, has more so Democratic representation more than Republican representation. Except there's some pockets there where those races for Republicans are a little more heated. But in the primary election, seems like that is always the, the the big game for a lot of these people. In the general election, usually you end up with the ballot, the name on the ballot that's there, and it, you know, pretty much set. In New York City, that once you run your won your primary for most of the time, you pretty much have won the general election. Or do you feel like that's changing, or that is not necessarily the case all the time? Well, I had a little disagreement with someone in D.C. last week. Um, I said that the primary election is the most important election always, and this person was like, "No, you're wrong," <laughs> and I was like, mm, "I don't think so," and because the person. I guess what we used to call them, well, some folks still call them that, folks who are not connected to any party, Mm -hmm. we call them blanks because they're not assigned to any political party. So therefore, they usually, in most cases, do not get to vote in primary elections, Mm -hmm. right? Not in New York City. And so they have to wait until the general election. And so this person is a blank. Mm-hmm. And is very proud of it not being attached to any sort of political party. And when I said that, I guess I offended her. And so what I said to her was that during the primary election, you usually have all these folks running in a partic- particular district. And honestly, you have your choice of candidates. Mm-hmm. In November, you have the choice of two or maybe three candidates Mm -hmm. and that's it yeah so you only choose who the same folks that you don't want to be associated with Mm -hmm. you can only choose from who they selected Mm -hmm. so how fair is that to you (laughs) yeah it's like you're at a restaurant and you have a whole menu in front of you during the primary but then it comes for like the, the you know the, the later election and someone has pared it down to just their two favorite items on the menu it's like whoa, wait, wait i didn't want any of those i did get to look at the full menu like i didn't want the happy hour menu i wanted the full the full menu where's the full menu at so essentially you're getting the happy hour menu when that second round comes around yes i didn't know if you were going to be able to land that yep but it worked it worked, <laughs> <laughs> it worked. <sighs> sorry exactly. guys that's okay yeah, well, we made it work. Uh, that's so interesting, and I had a similar, you know, question that you did about like, you know, how does how does this fit into like how things have kind of been working? Because you've been in the political game for at least a little while now, so you've probably noticed some trends. So. Yeah, I'm super excited about next year's election. So it's it's going to be definitely a popcorn moment for me. Like I enjoy the drama of of people being primaried. I think that's what democracy was made to do. Mm -hmm. It should not be a situation that I was elected one time, therefore I own the seat. Mm -hmm. You should be ready to re-engage with your community as often as the law says you're supposed to. And there should be as many challengers available to challenge you and your views and your work Mm -hmm. as possible. Mm -hmm. I think that's the only way that our community stays strong. Yeah. You were hired by the people. Exactly. So you need to try to keep your job, your work performance. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I think that kind of organically leads us to our next question, which is, 
why does voting matter? So we just talked about some of the things that folks are going to see on their ballot. But for a lot of folks who feel like it's an effort, you know, are maybe on the fence and, and don't always consistently vote. Like, why is it important for folks to actually get out and vote? It is important for those folks who are elected to see that we're engaged. And they need to see who is in charge of their ability to be seated again. If they do not see your district come out, then whatever your district needs tend to be, and it's wrong, because when you're, when you're elected, you're supposed to represent all of the people, but your needs tend to be less of a priority to certain electeds. Now, folks can be angry with that statement, and I hope that makes them angry enough that they go vote. Yeah, I also feel like one of the things that, you know, you're here at We Act in as part of being director of civic engagement, as well as, you know, really getting to people about local civic engagement and the importance of local elections and how quickly those things and those decisions that are made at the local level impact you compared to state or federal, right? You know, it, it's when something happens, a decision is made by city council or the mayor's office or the administration that's going on here locally, it, it really affects everyone. Like there's no way, it's, it's rare that it's like, oh, it's a smaller group of people or it's not as impactful, but you feel it. You feel it very, you know, very quickly. Most definitely. And, and honestly, like Lonnie and Jaron, I really feel like people really need to, folks who are registered within a political party, they need to take ownership of that party. You know, some folks, I, I talk to folks all the time about they should run for a county committee. They should run for a state committee member. They should run for a judicial delegate. And these are all unpaid positions within their party. And the reason for that is that when you run for those offices, even though they're unpaid, you have a seat at the table to make decisions. You have the ability to make input like your, your issue can become a priority of the party in your like in your county. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to affect that change, you're going to be more active in your party politics in your county. And that trickles up. I'm, I'm so glad that you touched on this idea of like more folks running for office. And obviously we want more folks that, you know, live uptown, living in other environmental justice communities to be running for office. Can you talk a little bit about what that process looks like as someone who's kind of gone through it? You know, what does it look like for someone who's maybe intimidated by the process of wanting to run? Uh, what are some of like the, the kind of like big picture landmarks or, or things that folks can do to make that process successful or easier? So back when I was helping people run for office and I was running for office, if someone really wanted to have an impact and didn't have a lot of time to go to a lot of meetings, I would suggest that they run for a county committee. And county committee could entail getting, first of all, you have to have a petition, right? And on that petition, you need signatures from people within your district or your election district. So you, you, you need somewhere between 35 to maybe 100 signatures, depending on how large your ED is. And, and I mean, literally, I think most of us know 
at least 30 people in our community. Mm-hmm. At least if you don't know them by name, you see them, you wave hi to them when you walk down the street. I mean, I know I, I see that all the time. So like just by getting that number of people, that's that's a start there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a lot of people do not run for county committee. There's so many vacant seats in a lot of these districts. And the power of county committee is, is that you get to vote on leadership for your political party in your county. Mm-hmm. And the leadership sets the tone for the issues in your community. Mm-hmm. You have access to, by electing the right leadership within your your party, you get to talk about the issues are, or you get to bring up what the priority of the party is going to be in your county. Now, if we did that as an environmental justice community, made sure that every single county had a large number of environmental justice folks, we could probably take over the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. And our issues, our priorities would be their issues and their priority mm-hmm. because we would be voting in leadership that is interested in our concerns and our needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you make such a compelling case. I, I, I'm like, I should be doing, what am I doing with my time? I should go out and do this immediately. I know, I just I was like, I was like, <laughs> I wonder if I should be running for one of these positions. Yeah. And I, I think that's really important and just really powerful what you said of how do we make our issues priority? Because we understand and we've been educating people here at WEACT and our members and through the podcast and other in our membership meeting on just how interconnected all of the environmental justice issues are with just people's everyday lives. And so why shouldn't these be the foundation? Environmental justice should be the foundation of pretty much all of everyone's political platform, but it's not. And I feel like that's a strong case to say, we just need to be in there as people who want to fight for environmental justice in those spaces to kind of choose that leadership to, to move those, to move the, those priorities. Yeah. So along that same lines of interacting with the 30 people that you know in your community, are there other things that you consider to be important elements of a successful campaign and folks really want to like give themselves the best shot or things that you're like, duh, Things to avoid, like don't do X, like don't do Y, like one or two things off the top of your head, things that you think might make people a little bit more well, successful. It, it, it depends on what position you're running for. Yeah. So if you're running for a county committee, you just need to align yourself with a group of folks or some organization that is working with folks to help them get on the ballot for county mm-hmm. committee, if that's what you're choosing. But there are other positions like that there like i said there's district leader state committee member that's first and foremost for county committee i don't think you need a lot of money for that you just need to be able to know people in your community be able to maybe even print up a few flyers Mm -hmm. let folks know that your name is going to be on the ballot like really get out there and 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 promote yourself Mm -hmm. to If you look at the number of people who actually vote for county committee members, it's not a lot of people. So sometimes you can just have your name on the ballot and actually win. Mm -hmm. But the key is to get to know the people in your community. Um, If you're talking like a a larger race, you definitely need to like, let's say you're running for, I don't know, assembly person. Mm -hmm. 
right, assembly member next year in next year's election. You should have technically started preparing for that race two years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's true. If you're running for assembly person, this is not something like what I did. I said that I did it in four months. Yeah, I did it in four months. But technically, you should be planning this two years in advance. Mm-hmm. You should already be involved in community like be part of your community board. For me, I was part of like a whole education network. Mm-hmm. So I already knew people. I, I, I didn't know it, but I was already out there. People knew my name already. Mm-hmm. So that made it a little bit easier. But you should be involved in community events for two years. You should be fundraising. Mm-hmm. Money is key. It really is key. And learning how to ask people for money is a talent in itself. Mm-hmm. And then also, it's it's kind of hard for me to say this because I didn't do it the traditional way. Mm-hmm. I met folks. They taught me everything I needed to know. And I learned how to create petitions. I mm-hmm. learned how to clean them. I learned how to bind them. I learned the rules and regulations for the Board of Elections. I mean, you could go to the Board of Elections. It's a little red book that you pick up right before elections, and they spell out all the rules there. It's a little confusing. Mm -hmm. So you've got to know people to learn how to understand that. But for the most part, you've got to understand the rules or be prepared to pay someone like a lawyer Mm -hmm. to do that for you. Mm -hmm. But that goes into fundraising. Mm -hmm. And fundraising should not be a problem if you're really invested in your community and you know your community members. What would you say to someone who kind of has that feeling of imposter syndrome of more so I, I want to be more active. I do have causes. I do have things that I'm in, that I feel are important to me and my community. But I don't know about all of the other things. I don't necessarily know about climate and environmental justice. I don't know about health, but I may be really good and really know that there's something about education. What would be your advice to someone who feels like they have to know it all or be highly educated or something like that? What would be your advice to someone who is like hesitant because of that? Okay, so this is where I get in trouble. Okay. (laughs) And thank you for putting me in that position, Lonnie. Okay. Good trouble, right? Good trouble. (laughs) Honestly, most elected officials... They don't know everything. They hire really smart people. Now, smart people know how to gather smart people and get them to be a part of their team um, to create a great situation that works for everyone. So if you are that smart, you know people who are probably education gurus. You know people who are EJ champions, you know, leaders, you know, people who are really good at fundraising, Mm -hmm. you know, people and, and if they believe in you as much as you should believe in yourself, then you guys work collectively as a team to make that happen. Absolutely. So I guess just a plug to, you know, make sure that if you're not an expert in EJ-related stuff, that you're connected to WEAC, that you're plugged into work that we're doing. Actually, you're absolutely right. I should have said that first. That's okay. We got there. Jaren and I spent a lot of our times in our roles outside of being podcast hosts, educating elected officials on on, on issues. That's yeah. literally absolutely. probably a large part of what I do before it's before <laughs> advocacy work um, or pushing any type of bills or doing any policy analysis. It's a lot of times just educating people on, on what the actual issue is. Yeah. So we only have a couple more questions for you. And then I think we want to make sure we leave space for you to share other things that you wanted to, to talk about that, that we haven't gotten to yet. So I think one of the last questions that we have is 
how does all this fit into all, all the importance of voting and why people should vote? How does that factor into the work that we do here at WEAC? How does someone showing up to vote impact the work that we do here at WEAC? Okay, so first and foremost, part of the reason why we call folks up around election time and encourage them to come out and vote is, like I said before, the more people we have in our community, the environmental justice communities or the supposed disadvantaged communities, the more folks that we have coming out to vote, these elected officials are looking at that. And they're looking at them as a power group that they want to continue to court. So they're going to do more for you. So that's first and foremost. And especially if it's our people who like want our concerns to be addressed. It is important for them to see that. So coming out to vote is definitely important in these areas because these elected officials will court us. They will fix things because their fear is, is that if they don't comply, that we can take our vote elsewhere. And I mean, let's take a look at some of our most recent primary races. We had in City Council District 9, we had two incumbent elected officials Mm -hmm. that were running against someone with no background in politics whatsoever, other than being an activist Mm -hmm. and a motivational speaker. And this person hadn't even lived a full year in the district. Mm -hmm. But what winded up happening? That person with no political experience actually won Mm -hmm. because he spoke to the concerns of the community. Mm -hmm. Whereas the folks with all this experience maybe weren't listening to what their constituents said that they needed. Mm -hmm. So it is very important that you, they're going to look at the numbers and sometimes they miscalculate and guess what happens when you're engaged, when you're involved, you get someone else in there who will listen. And if he doesn't listen, then you can do the same thing to him. <laughs> and one thing I before we kind of wrap up our conversation, one thing I do want you to talk a little bit about is the what the work that you did with the Bond Act and how it was important the, the work that your team did to make sure that people put that ballot over to vote for a ballot measure that we got passed that's going to bring a lot of money to New York City for environmental and climate issues? Well, there were two teams that were working on that. So there was the WE Act for Environmental Justice team, and then there was the WE Act for Change team. So the WE Act for Environmental Justice made so many phone calls to folks, letting them know that it was an election cycle coming up and letting them know that there were ballot measures on the ballot and to flip the ballot over and explain the benefit of saying yes to the Environmental Bond Act and explained the concerns of some folks and why they wanted folks not to say yes, okay, to say no. Mm -hmm. So we had to explain both sides of it Mm -hmm. to folks so that they could fully understand the purpose of that ballot measure. Now, the C4 folks, the We Act for Change folks, Mm -hmm. they called up community members, same community members we called, and 
they basically spoke to folks and encouraged them to vote yes Mm -hmm. and explained why it benefited our community to say yes to the Environmental Bond Act. Mm -hmm. And then the We Act for Change folks sent out a mailer to the folks that they couldn't reach over the phone Mm -hmm. to let them know, please flip over the ballot. Mm -hmm. This is why it benefits you to flip over the ballot and vote yes. And I I feel like between that and the phone banking and the door knocking on both sides, Mm -hmm. the We Act for Environmental Justice and the We Act for Change, between the two, we had more folks in Upper Manhattan voting for the Environmental Bond Act more so than they voted for certain candidates who are running for office. (laughs) Wow. That's how amazing it was. And I know how widespread that outreach was because even my my entire building, there were a couple of those flyers, those information sheets in the mail in my mailbox. So I was like, oh, great. Wow. Okay. They have they have reached the community, including my own building. So I was really excited to see. It. I think I actually still have it here at my desk. I held on to it just because I was so excited to see it. Yeah. We even got phone calls back from people who were saying they did not know how important it was to flip over the ballot and read about the ballot measures Mm -hmm. and how that related to their everyday living. So it's very, very important. I'm super excited about our work there. Yeah. 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 Uh, Thank you for letting that. I just thought it was such a really great kind of campaign that that happened that was really impactful and really effective. Yeah. And now some of that money, for example, is going to be used to deploy electric buses in the state. Immediate yes. win. We love that. Yay. Yay clean yes. air. So I think that's all we had question wise. So I want to open it up to you, Pamela, to, to share other things that you I know you have to talk about and things that you're, you want to highlight. So the floor is yours. Let people know what we got going on. Okay. So one very important thing that happened is that the presidential primary election has been moved from June 2024 to April 2nd. 2024. So there's going to be like right now, as of right now, three elections in 2024, two primary and one general election. Mm -hmm. And I need people not to get confused by that. I need them to go out and vote in April and probably early voting is in the end of March. But I need folks to go out and vote during those primary elections. It's so important. It's so key. So that's one thing. And then also wanted to point out something really interesting that the governor just signed off on. She signed a whole package of election bills. And um, one of the bills that she pushed for was registering to vote. You can register the vote and cast your ballot at the polling place all in the same day. So it's like same day voting. Mm -hmm. So folks, I need you to be excited about this because this is a win for us to be able to do that. And then also there is something interesting that I have to do more research about for folks who are concerned about the electors during presidential races. The governor passed a bill that prohibits faithless electors from impacting the outcome of presidential elections. 
Can, so, you, can you explain a little bit? For, for me, I'm like, I have no idea what that means. Could you explain a little bit about that? So I'm doing more research about it. Mm-hmm. And if you come to our membership meeting in February, mm-hmm. you will get more information on this for sure. Great. But basically, you know how there's these electors that we all vote during the presidential elections, right? Mm-hmm. General elections, we all vote, right? Mm-hmm. And then folks feel like our votes don't really count because you have these electors who then vote. Mm-hmm. And then they, you know, pretty much say what how the state is mm-hmm. going to move in the direction of a particular candidate. Mm-hmm. So let's say that the popular vote in New York State says that Pamela Stewart Martinez, mm-hmm. you know, got the most votes. Mm-hmm. And then you have someone like, I don't know. Charles. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say Ivanka Trump, but okay, sure. we'll go with Charles. Okay, I know so, why Charles would run against you, but. <laughs> well, let's say Charles is an elector, yeah. right? Charles is an elector and he goes, I don't like that Pamela Stewart Martinez. <laughs> so I'm not going to vote for her, even though the popular vote says mm-hmm. that I should be the winner of the state. Yeah. Charles might decide, well, I have the ability to vote whatever way I want to, so I'm not yeah. going to vote for her. Yeah. Well, that would be a faithless elector. Yeah. And so there are consequences for that. Mm-hmm. So the only thing is, is that I haven't had a chance to really read through what the consequences are, yeah. but that gives you something to think about and come to our February mm-hmm. membership meeting so you can learn more about this. Yeah, that actually makes a lot more sense because now I do remember hearing a little bit about some states after the last uh, presidential election talking about how do we ensure that there's more alignment between like electoral votes and the popular votes, right? And some states kind of trying to rework that. It sounds like New York's in that bucket too, trying to rework that system. Well, the governor passed the whole package, so mm-hmm. it's going to be pretty exciting to go through that package and, and see how wonderful it truly is. And as someone who's also like a political nerd as well, the conversation and debate about the Electoral College versus just popular vote voting is always fascinating. And there's a lot of arguments on each side about, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's necessary or not. And it's funny. To me, it's always when one side loses one and not the other. That's when that person, that party is like, we need to get rid of Electoral College. And then the other when it happens the other round, the other party goes, we need to get rid of it. And it's like, it just depends on kind of. Where you stand Where and you who's running. Yeah. 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 It's like the kid who, like, loses the, loses the race. It's like, that's not fair. We should run that way instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, thank you so much. I appreciate all those highlights. It's so important information. I'm glad that you mentioned those. Any other last words that you want to shout out to folks? Just make sure you come to both membership meetings. We have moved the November membership meeting to November 4th. Mm-hmm. And so it's usually the second Saturday, but we want to honor our veterans. Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to step on their toes. So we moved it up a week, okay. November 4. Fantastic. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us, Pamela. We can't wait to have you on the show again as soon as possible. And we, we appreciate you making time for us. Oh, thank you for having me. Love being here. Please call me back sooner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, make sure to rate and review the show on whatever platform you listen on. We also encourage you to reach out to us with your thoughts and suggestions at podcast at weact.org. 
You can also check out We Act on Facebook at We Act for EJ. That's W E A C T F O R E J. And on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at We Act for EJ. That's W E A C T number four EJ. And check out our website, WeAct.org, for more information about environmental justice. That's all, folks. Until next time, don't forget to flip that ballot. Flip it. Don't pop it. Flip don't, it. Don't twist it. Flip it. <laughs> flip it. Yee. Flip the ballot. Flip it. Flip it. Flip it. Pop it. Twist it. Drop it. Flip it. Don't drop the ballot. <laughs> Vote. Bye. <laughs>